0: I love praying. Praying is just talking to God. And I love talking to my God. And He will answer. It might not always be in an audible voice, but you might see His answer in the Word. You might feel His answer in your heart. You might see it in the circumstances that He arranges for your life often. But God will answer your prayers. And if He doesn't answer it the way that you want it to be answered, then He's answering it the way that you really need it to be answered. Because he's good. Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be even afraid? Why should I be afraid about anything? The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, because he is the, my light and my salvation. He saves me. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've called on his name to be saved eternally, and I call on his name every day when I need saving from myself or when I need saving from some enemy, God saves me. When I was a teenager, I've told this story before, but it's such a, it's a true story, and it's such a poignant story. It's such a, a good example of so many things, so I'm going to tell it again. So forgive me if over the course of some years you begin to hear my stories more than once. <laughs> Is only one of me and as many of you. So, when I was a young teenager, my dad took me and my little brother frog gigging. We was he lived down in the Mississippi Delta, and anything had to do with hunting or fishing or whatever, and and I could be with my dad. You know, I was eager to do so. Frog gigging, doing it at night and catching frogs, man, that just sounds right up my alley. So he, he loaded me and my little brother Heath up, my little brother, as you know, was six years younger than me and and we drove up to this bio and got out of the truck and when we did, it was like it, and I mean it was a moonless black night, and we're out there in the delta now, and they're the mosquitoes about this big, they look like drones flying over here <laughs> and they got to bite me and stuff and I was and we only way we could see was daddy gave each one of us a flashlight, and we were stabbing all around, and, and I hit myself in the own head trying to get a skeet off my forehead, about knocking myself out, I remember. Anyway, we went down to the bow, and he had put his put a little John boat in there, already had it ready, and it was on the bank, and we was checking it to make sure there was no snakes and stuff, and I mean, this was one of those dark, meandering boughs, I mean, just murky black water, and like I said, it was a dark night, and we shined our lights out across there, and there was little, little black eye, little red eyes looking at us, you know, reflecting back at us, swimming across, and laying in a tree, and on the bank, you could just see snakes everywhere out there. And I looked over at my brother, and he looked like he had panic in his eyes. He, he was about, you know, six or seven years old at the time. But anyway, I had my little four ten shotgun, Daddy gave me, he said, if one tries to get in a boat, you shoot it, you know. So, I felt pretty confident. So we slide out into the water, you know, and, and we're paddling down there, and uh, all of a sudden, I see a snake swimming kind of close to the boat. So I went, I get that boogie out, and I shot him, and water sprayed up all over us, and I looked, and that snake was doing a barrel roll, and as he sunk down to the bottom, my daddy said, what you doing, boy? I said, I shot a snake, daddy. He said, was he trying to get in the boat? I said, no. He said, well, save your shells, for the one trying to get in the boat and I look back my little brother was about in shock by this point point. <laughs> and so we, about that time we heard this ribbit now that's my only frog impression I don't know but, but it was bigger and, and bolder than that <laughs> and daddy said oh that sounds like Kermit I've been after him all year so we started paddling towards where we heard that sound. We were keeping those flashlights and you know seeing what was coming our way. And sure enough, we looked down the bank, and then there was this biggest frog you ever seen in your life. I mean, it's this monster bullfrog sitting there. And Daddy said, "There he is! There he is!" He starts paddling. and He's got this long pole. He's getting his pole ready. He's got the gigging sticks on the on the end, and he's getting ready. And about the time we get about six, eight feet away, and we've got the the what got me was the frog didn't jump off because we were making all kind of racket paddling, hitting the boat and everything, but that light in the frog's eyes just had it mesmerized. (laughs) And he was just sitting there. I couldn't believe it wasn't hopping off. And Daddy was paddling up there. And about that time, this big old black water moccasin comes slithering up and just coiled up right in front of the bullfrog. Big ugly snake about that, big around that. Water moccasins are stubby little snakes with a big old ugly head, just black as midnight. And And I said, Daddy, Daddy... I couldn't shoot over my daddy because we were going straight in. I was like, daddy, I ain't got a shot. Pull back, daddy, pull back. But it was too late. (laughs) And the frog heard my voice, and he was getting nervous, and he could tell he was about to jump. So daddy reached out over that snake with that frog gig, just leaned right out, and that thing was coiled up. And he stabbed that frog. And, And as he did, that thing unleashed. That snake came up and grabbed a hold and just poured out all its venom. And I was back there freaking, oh my gosh, and Heath was ah, screaming like a girl. We were making all kinds of racket. And then, and then about that time, well, we got to get into our message. But. <laughs> we will finish the story a little bit later, but tonight's message is entitled, Don't Get Froggy. <laughs> Don't Get Froggy. Ain't nobody want you to get froggy. Last week, well, two weeks ago, last week we had the women's team leaders, but before that we had started this new series called Into the Light. We're talking about light and darkness, remember? And we talked a lot about how the darkness got here and how God created everything in Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and guess what happened? (sighs) There was light, and the universe was spoken to existence, and that light, the, the, the scientists today believe that the universe is still expanding, that light is still going forth at the speed of light. It hadn't stopped. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. We established that last week, that light is good, and darkness in God's eyes, not so much, because it says, then he separated the light from the darkness. He separated the two, made day and night and so forth. He separated light from darkness in the beginning, and he's going to separate light from darkness again when? In the end. And what I'm trying to get you to see is you need to be on the side of of light in the end. That's what we're trying to get at here tonight. But Adam, little bonehead, he ate from the one tree that God said don't eat from. And he sinned, committed high treason against God. We talked about that last week. And though God had brought light into the world, Adam brought a terrible darkness back into the world, and we call it sin, right? Earth became like that dark bow, ruled by beady-eyed snakes, and and the heart of man had grown froggy. <laughs> the heart of man. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get froggy with me. No. <laughs> now God respects our right to choose. If he didn't, he wouldn't have gave Adam a choice. He wouldn't have put the the tree in the garden to allow him to eat from. But God wants us to choose. He gives us the right to choose. He doesn't just so. After Adam chooses darkness, God doesn't say, "Well, that's all right, Adam. I'll fix it for you. I'll just come in there and overpower the darkness with my light." No, he sends a light. But from then on, man's got to choose. Man has to choose. He sent a light into the world. Does anybody know what that light looks like? What was that light? Isaiah prophesying about that light hundreds of years before the light actually came, says in Isaiah 9-2, the people who walk in darkness, which was all of them at the time, will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then on the eighth day after Jesus' birth, he's at the temple to be circumcised, I believe it was, or dedicated or something. I should have studied up one. I forgot exactly why. But Zechariah had been at the, at the temple, and he had a prophecy for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And he said in Luke one seventy eight, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. He didn't know how true what he was saying was. The morning light from heaven was about to break upon him, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us into the path of peace. And then we know as Jesus grew in stature with God and man, and, and he started his ministry at the age of 30, after that in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am The light of the world. And so the light had been revealed. That Isaiah had spoken about. That Zechariah had promised at Jesus' birth. If you will follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. So what is the light? Everybody knows that, right? Jesus is the light. So how does it work? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see what this means for us. 1 Corinthians 15. What would, what would life have been like if no light had come into the world? If God had just said, okay, you chose darkness, now live in it. Our prospects for eternity wouldn't have looked that good, would they? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 45. We're going to... Talk about some things you may not normally hear unless you're at a funeral. (laughs) I should have wore black tonight. You look like you're going to a funeral. Maybe I am. You ever see that Johnny Cash movie? Hmm. All right. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. Say person. He was a person. God took the dust of the earth and created a person, breathed into him. He became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ. Christ is being referred to as the last Adam. Adam's the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. Christ is a life-giving spirit. So he's not just a person. He is a spirit. What comes first is the natural body. We're all born into this natural body, right? Then the spiritual body comes later. When do we get that? (coughs) After we die. Believers will get a new body. Praise the Lord. This, This mortal body will put on immortality, the Bible says. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. The earthly people are like the earthy man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthy man, or earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. So there's two kinds of man. The ones from the, this fleshly, earthy man and a spiritual man, an eternal man. Okay, so originally, if you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, they could have lived forever remember if they wouldn't have eaten of that tree because death did not enter in until they sinned he said today you eat of that tree you shall surely die until then Adam and Eve could have lived forever in that garden they were supposed to live as earthly garden dwellers but once sin entered in so did death and man was separated from God's light so God who is a spirit I want you to picture that. The Bible says no man has seen God at any time. Not When they say that, they don't mean that God, Moses didn't see him face to face. We hadn't seen Jesus. and That's not what it's talking about. It means that nobody has seen God in his purest essence, in all of his glory and splendor. Moses came the closest when he saw his hinder parts that he, as he went by. Remember, we talked about that Sunday. But no man has seen God at any time because God is a spirit. It says in John 4 that they who worship him, which worship, worship him in what? Spirit and truth, because God is the Spirit. But God as a Spirit became a man to come down and settle the sin debt for us. Why didn't he just do it as God? Because it wouldn't have been legitimate. He had to come and redo, hit the reset button on the mistake Adam made, so he had to come like Adam. He had to become one of us. He also became one of us so that he can know What we go through. He can identify with the things that we deal with. So that you couldn't say, well, that was easy for him. That's God. He came to show us how to do it. He came to operate in the same fleshly body with the same kind of human desires and temptations that we face. It says he was tempted in every point as we are, but without sin. So Jesus came to know our plight, and yet he was without sin. Okay? So he settled the sin debt by living a sinless life and then paying for our sin debt on the cross. And he punched that reset button on Adam's mess. And when he did, he opened up the choice for us all over again. Now it was no longer, well, i choose darkness or darkness. No, now the light had come into the world and made, given man the choice again to choose light, to, to, re, to redo the mistake that Adam had made and do it right. 1 Corinthians 15, 21, if you back up a few scriptures, says says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead had begun through another man. And we know that man to be Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. You understand we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We had no no way to bridge the gap between us and God. But now, everything has changed. God has made a way. The cross has bridged the gap. And now, if we choose Christ, if we choose light, then we can be right with God. But this time, we can be something better than even Adam. Adam had a sweet deal living in the garden, right? Had everything he could desire. But now, in God's superior wisdom and and forethought, we can be something, have something even better than Adam. Because Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, but we can walk with God in our heart. Through this new and, and more powerful way that God has shown us, we can have God on, living on the inside of us and be eternal creatures just like He is something new that never existed. Before it was fleshly man and heavenly, man, or heavenly God. But now there's emerging. God has become man. And man has not become God, but can have God on the inside of man and be an eternal creature like God, a family member, a son, and a daughter. I know you know these things, but I'm, I'm hoping that this will kind of put it in perspective, the decision that people make. John nine, Jesus says, The one who is the true light, say true light. You know, even the, the devil can masquerade as an angel of light. you got to know the true light. I'm not talking about just some Jesus that some cult's preaching. I'm talking about the true light. The one who is the true light gives life to everyone. He was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. <laughs> can you imagine being Pontius Pilate with Jesus talking about the truth And you say, what is truth? And you're staring him right in the eyes. He didn't recognize his creator. None of us did. He had to go around raising people from the dead and stopping storms and walking on the water and when people were still like, I don't know, is it him? We did not recognize our creator. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but with a birth that comes from God. So if we choose now to walk in the light as He is in the light, if we choose Christ over our own sinful desires, we become something greater than Adam could have ever been. We become an eternal spirit being And we'll eventually receive a new immortal body at our death. We shall see him and we shall be like him. The same Jesus that was resurrected from the dead with a new body that could walk through walls and all that kind of stuff. We will be given an immortal body. We won't be just spirits floating around on a cloud playing harps. We will have flesh and blood, just like Jesus said, you see that I have. When he came back, he ate fish and he showed them that he has a body like we do. And see, that's what's so sweet about the whole thing. If you think about what Jesus did for us, there was nothing he lacked in heaven, but he limited himself to be one of us. How restraining, I mean, that we're thinking about the day when we'll have a body like him, but how restraining to come down from the, throne and be all powerful the spirit being and never need anything to limit himself to one place at one time as jesus has done for us that's why he said i'll send the holy spirit because i can only be at one place at one time because i've become like you he did that because he loved us i think that may be that may rival the pain and suffering that he felt on the cross to make an eternal decision for us like that. Jesus became a man. And it's not something he just took away when he went back to heaven. (laughs) To become one of us was quite striking. So we'll be an eternal heavenly person like Jesus and we'll be with him where he wants us to be. He said that where I am, you may be also. And he has rewards. He has a mansion he's building for us. We all, he's going to wipe away every tear. It's all going to be beautiful. Jesus had been a spirit, but he put on flesh. He overcame death and resurrected into a completely new species, an immortal God-man combo. Pretty awesome. And you know what? Somehow I expect, I suspect, I should say, that God knew this was going to happen before Adam sinned. I think God knows the future. I think he knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow all is the same. And I think he knew when he put that tree in the garden what was going to happen. And I think he did it anyway. And I think in his grand plan that us becoming more than just an earthly guy that would live forever, but be an eternal being With the Spirit of God on the inside, it was His plan after all. And that every person on the earth would be given the right to choose darkness or light. Everybody must choose darkness or light. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, we were all dead in our sins and trespasses. There was none righteous, no, not one. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So what's the stumbling block to our feel-good story? Why doesn't everybody just say, wow, I'll take that. <laughs> we should. Man still has the, st- the free will to choose. Man still stupid. So say, don't be froggy. don't get froggy. If you're like, let's say you were on a hiking trip and you're going through the woods and you all got flashlights, but you all got batteries from the same place and everybody's flashlight goes out at the same time and you're in the middle of a forest somewhere and there's one guy that brought his own flashlight and he's got the flashlight. Who do you think everybody's going to (laughs) follow? The one with the flashlight. I mean, even the smartest guys, not going to say, well, I'm going to take off this, this way, guys. If y'all want to follow me, they're going to say, dude, you're going off in the darkness. I'm following the guy with the light. Why do people follow the light? Because the, a person wants to find a better place. A person wants to come out of darkness. And that's what people need to see. They need to find a better place. Don't be froggy. Don't sit up in the bayou thinking this is all there is. Get in the boat. Let God pierce you through the heart. Die to yourself and get in the boat. Jesus sent Paul... And he's explaining why he did in Acts 26, 18. It says, To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Do you want to be of your father? Does that make you feel good to say, I'm of my father the devil? But that's where you are until you choose light. You belong to the devil. You hadn't been born again. You haven't received the light. You haven't received your new spirit. It's a choice. John 3.19 says, and judgment is based on this fact. All right, now we're getting, when anytime you hear judgment, let's see what the, what, what, what's being judged. Well, heaven and hell, your eternal destiny, the way, the way you will live the rest of your life here on the earth. What is the judgment? It's based on this fact that God's light came into the world but people love darkness more than the light. What? Wait, what? Somebody had a flashlight? And you chose to go off into darkness. People love darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. Oh, it's starting to make sense. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for they have a fear that their sins will be exposed. Oh, they like dark. Oh, I'm starting to see. Because over in the darkness, you can do all these things and think nobody's seeing. And of course, we talked about last week that God can see in the dark, you know that, right? But those who do what's right, they come to the light so that others can see that they're doing what God wants. So, really, the choice comes down to it. I, we knocked on a lot of doors last Saturday, and, and one of them said, I'm an atheist. And I said, well, doesn't something inside you tell you that you're going to be around forever? You don't think you're just going to die and go into the dirt, do you? And that'd be it. <laughs> I said, what else did I say? I forgot what I said. I, I said, doesn't something tell you that, that you were made for more than, you know, to live and, and to go into the dirt and it all be over? He slammed the door on us. Shut the door. Didn't want to talk about it. And I will tell you why. It's not because he believes that there is no God. It's not because that that's his talking points or whatever. It's because, I guarantee you, I don't know the felon, I don't want to judge him, but I guarantee you it's because he likes to sin and he don't want to feel bad about it, so he tells himself that there's no God to be held accountable to. And that's why people live in darkness, even though they know the truth. Not everybody knows the truth. It's our job to tell them. But many of them have just made a choice that they would rather hang out at the bio. The choice seems clear to me. Is it still froggy to anybody in here? (laughs) Now, you wouldn't be here at Next Level Wednesday if it was a little froggy to you. We can choose to stay in the bow, maybe grow fat on crickets and flies and croak at the moon and end up being snake food or something, but or we can get into the boat and we can come out from among them. We can walk in the light as he is the light. We can become the light and help others see. We can hold the flashlight so that we can bring others out. We've all experienced darkness in our life. We can cut on the TV and say all oh, the darkness we want. We can live in the darkness in our neighborhoods. We have darkness in our back pockets, in our purses, called a cell phone, all the darkness you could want to stare at. What is the darkness that is overtaking your life? You know what? There's a constant barrage of darkness in the world trying to get into your eyes. And it says if you're eyes be full of darkness then your whole body is full of darkness you can say that you choose the light but you can choose to still stay in darkness and not let your light so shine but i'm telling you i have lived in the darkness in deep darkness i'm talking mosquito darkness i have busted myself in the head with a flashlight darkness but i have been in the light and the light is much better so come out from amongst them what does light look like well let's talk about a few things what, when we talk about light are we just talking about jesus we're talking about the things that jesus can provide that's for sure the first thing i got seven things that i want to that are, that are metaphors for light the bible uses as metaphors for light in the Bible when it talks about light. When it talks about light, it's talking about God's presence, His, his glory. His glory is, a, is expressed through unapproachable light. You remember how Jesus' raiment changed to white when He was shown in His glory on the mountaintop with the two prophets, Moses and Elijah? The Bible says that there's no darkness in God at all. There's no darkness. So in God's presence is only light. When we come into God's presence, there's no darkness, and the Bible also says in His presence is fullness of joy. So joy is in the light. Joy, you don't find a lot of joy in the darkness. You find a lot of lustful pleasure maybe in the darkness, but not joy psalms 89 15 says happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship for they will walk in the light of your presence lord see there's joy and and light and his presence all in the same scripture the second thing the metaphor for light is justice isaiah 51 4 says my justice will become like a light to the nations well why do i need justice you say that now, but let somebody do you an injustice, and you'll see how bad you want justice. Some of us will flip a lid over somebody do us wrong, you know. I don't need justice, you wait. And see, let somebody do you wrong. You'll change your mind about that. Number three, light is an expression of God's goodness. Isaiah 5:21 says, What sorrow for those who say evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark. See, good, evil, light, dark. Light is good, evil is dark. You see the connection there? Goodness, goodness. Number four, purity. Light is, you know, if you're walking with the light of the Lord, you're pure with, without sin. We're supposed to call it to be salt and light. You know, we're supposed to stand out as light's, in this dark world. And with purity comes peace. You know if you've done right and you're walking right with God and your slate is clean. And you're not carrying a heavy burden of sin and darkness in your life. And you've been keeping your eyes on the right things and saying the right things. You've got a thankful heart. You can lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep with no problem. Yeah. It, it just brings peace. And I have said this so many times but it bears repeating there's no amount of money that you could give me to try to take that piece away from me. Somebody could come say, well, I'll give you $15 million if you'll, if you'll just start doing this sin right here. I'll say, you can keep your $15 million. I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm not going to stay up knowing I ain't right with God. Now that I know what I know, I don't know how I live five minutes in the world knowing that I could have died and bust hell wide open for all eternity. I don't need that kind of pressure anymore. Number five, light symbolizes wisdom. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp and a guide to my feet, a light to my path. His word lights the way. This is your flashlight. You need to know where to go, how to get there. You need to know what you look like and what God's called you to be. Look in here. Yeah. Boy, you You'll come out of that darkness and begin to figure out what life is all about. He'll open the eyes of the blind right here. You'll see. All right, number six. Light is is a metaphor for revelation. Revealed knowledge and wisdom and such. Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, he says, God revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. In other words, his light lights up the dark places and the secret places and the deep things that you, have, you probably never thought you would ever be able to look into. It says the prophets, man, they, lo- they long to see the things that we see. Well, how many of you are saying, thus say the Lord every day? You're not a prophet. What, what am I getting that they're not getting? Well, look right here. They didn't have none of this. You got way more than any prophet that ever lived at your fingertips and you got it sitting there collecting dust on your coffee table. And seventh, I put life itself. Psalms 56, 13 says, so now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Woo! Like I said, that light It's the light of the world. It's the light of life. It brings life to where there was death. It brings light to where there was darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You can know all this, but it's only seen in one place. There's only one way to have the light. And his name is Jesus. So are you going to let the devil keep stealing from you? I'd imagine almost everybody in here has probably made the decision about Jesus. I pray that you have. If not, you can make that decision tonight. But some of us have made that decision and we're still dabbling in the darkness. We have been brought into the light. We've been brought into the kingdom of his dear son, but we keep dabbling back over in the kingdom of darkness. Keep venturing back out into the bow. Proverbs 4.18 says, the way of righteousness is like the gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Let that describe your life. Let you got saved and you're like the light of dawn. And it's springing up and shining brighter and brighter and brighter till the full day has been exposed. But the, the way of the wicked, it's total darkness. They have no idea where they're going and what they're stumbling over. You know you were like that at one time. You had no plan for yourself. Didn't know what was going, what in the world. You were surprised by everything. You was walking in the darkness, breaking your ankle in this hole, tripping over into this ditch, falling with with nobody to help you but God's mercy. But he brought you through so that you could come to that place of decision. And now that you have made the decision, stay with the decision. Stay in the light. Do not go back. You remember Lot's wife? He said, don't look back, don't look back. But she looked back. And she became a pillar of worthless salt. If the salt has lost its flavor, wherewith shall it be salted again? What good is it? Don't turn back to the beggarly things that God brought you out of. Don't go back into the bondage of sin when he has busted your chains wide open. Don't play with it. Don't, Don't pet it. Don't even converse with it. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Hmm? All right. So me and Heath, oh, oh Lord, oh Lord. We thought Daddy done got bit by the snake. And Daddy said, hush up, boy. And when he lifted up his frog gigger, the snake had grabbed the stick. And he didn't get daddy. So daddy shook him off and got to paddle and whomped that snake in the head and mushed him down in the mud. Good. Then he turned around and he, and he threw that frog sickle and quivered a little heat slap. And he's like, ooh! <laughs> the boy's traumatized till this day. You see, Jesus like my daddy was not afraid of the dark. And he was coming to pluck us out. He wasn't afraid of that old serpent. He ain't scared. Pl- Homie, don't play that. You are more important to him. And what, a, what an example he sets for us as children of the light. Isn't it time we went to the enemy's camp and we took back what he has stolen from us? Are we to be afraid of him now? When we've been given power and authority. Jesus said, all power and authority on earth and in heaven is given to me. And now, therefore, you go, because I'll be with you. What are we afraid of? Why do we let him cower us? He's like a roaring lion. He does some roaring, but he ain't got any teeth left. God snatched him out, made a public show of him, triumphing over him. He took away the keys to death, hell, and the grave. For the believer, we're a new species. We're higher Paul says, you're going to act like mere mortal men? You're just going to act like everybody else when you have the spirit of the living God dwelling on the inside of you? Get back everything he stole from you. The enemy has stole your peace. The enemy has stole your money. The enemy has stole your health. The enemy has taken your children and taken their purity away too soon. He's trying to get your friends and buddies and your brothers and your sisters addicted to drugs and alcohol. He has stolen people from you. He has got, he is. You just gonna let him have it? Or are you gonna fight? We got a frog gigger. We got a boat paddle. I wrote this. Sometimes, this is kind of wordy. I don't know why I wrote this. Sometimes the mere contemplation of meandering outside my comfort zone for the cause of Christ triggers the enemy to pelt my mind. With such a barrage of tormenting thoughts concerning my own inadequacies adequacies, that I inevitably want to whack myself in the head with a flashlight. That nasty serpent just seems to be daring me to try to get outside of myself, to get into the, to the dark world and let my light shine and snatch somebody out for the kingdom of God, to do what people have gone before me and, and, and prayed me out and brought me out and told me the truth and dared to get outside their comfort zone for me. And now the devil's saying, you can't do that. Well, let him hiss. He's just a liar. And besides, we don't come in our own strength. God has given us the tools and the armor we need To work well beyond the reach of the devil. God will help us shake off that old serpent. Whack him in the head and leave out of there with the prize if we'll trust him. It's time for Christians to begin to think outside of the boat. He don't need you to walk on the water all the time. But he he might ask you to actually lean outside the boat every now and then. Are we a church that will do that? Will we get outside of our comfort zones, even despite our insecurities? Are we comfortable, are, are, are we confident enough in the light that is within us that will overcome the darkness that we face? Is Jesus enough? Or has the devil got you, coward, still stealing things from you? Matthew five fourteen, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He went to heaven, and he left his light in you. He shines his light through you. You reflect his glory. You reflect his thoughts. You reflect his purity, his judgment, his righteousness, his presence. All seven of those things we talked about, you reflect this to this dark world. You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We have a responsibility If you receive the light, to be the light. And light always overcomes darkness. Always. Let's pray together.